Good evening. Um, so I'm just now realizing, uh, and I, don't, I guess Adam did not see this, uh, but it uh, looks like I sent Adam the copy that was not complete of my slides. So I appreciate you. What is it? Okay. Well, I just realized that. I appreciate you praying for my remembrance because it looks like I'm going to need it. Um, so I don't know. Something happened. I was, I was trying to uh, move the file into a folder, and I guess it just got an incomplete copy of it. But that's okay. We'll carry on. And uh, like I said, hopefully I have my full remembrance. Um, but I'll show the slides that I do have. Yeah, it's, it's black and white. I, I made them pretty and everything. Um, but anyway, so I... I just labeled, uh, I called the, the title The Swindler, um, because uh, as you'll see, we'll talk about tonight, I, I think that is honestly one of the, one of the best descriptions of, of our interaction with the devil and what he tries to do uh, in, you know, in our lives, and so uh, that's, that's why I titled that, and we'll talk about a couple of, of, of different things, but I want to talk, uh, start off with a, with a, a story uh, a short story. I saw this, I don't know, a few weeks ago, and it just kind of, I kind of liked the story. I thought it was interesting. But uh, it says a young man named Dave bought a horse from a farmer for $250. The farmer agreed to deliver the horse the next day. The next day, the farmer drove up to Dave's house and said, Sorry, son, but I have some bad news. The horse died. Dave replied, Well, then just give me my money back. The farmer said, Can't do that. I went and spent it already. Dave said, okay, then just bring me the dead horse. The farmer asked, what are you going to do with him? Dave said, I'm going to raffle him off. The farmer said, you can't raffle off a dead horse. Dave said, sure I can. Watch me. I just won't tell anybody he's dead. A month later, the farmer met up with Dave and asked what happened with that dead horse. Dave said, I raffled him off. I sold 500 tickets at $5 a piece and made a profit of $2,495. The farmer said, didn't anyone complain? Dave said, just the guy who won, so I gave him his $5 back. So... Dave is quite the businessman, and, you know, honestly, Dave's success kind of has me wanting to raffle off a dead horse. I, I know a few people here that might be interested. I'm not sure, um, but uh, I've already given up the, the fact that it's dead, though, so it wouldn't work. But anyway, uh, so this is kind of, to me, what sums up a swindle. You know, it's just fraudulent, and uh, somebody... Um, has used uh, they have used deception to deprive someone of money or possession or possessions and so I kind of think that that is that you know that's the definition of a swindle and that's exactly what happened here and uh, I, I compare this to, to theft and uh, theft is you know when you take another person's property without their permission and then you know you use it without intending to return it um, or without their, without intending to return that property. So, uh, you know, I think that's a fundamental uh, a difference between, you know, that means of, of attaining property. And so it's kind of deception versus either a brute force or maybe sneaking, uh, you know, behind someone's back without their knowledge. And so tonight I just want to look at how the, the devil is really the ultimate swindler. Uh, because I think, uh, you know, we'll look at some of these passages and the way it describes him and his methods and his tactics, uh, he really uh, often uses this deception to swindle us of, of our most prized possession. 
and that will be the end of the slideshow. So I'll go off my notes for now. Okay, so um, we'll start in Genesis 3. One of the, the first experiences uh, that we see with the devil. and says, starting in verse 1, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So, here we go. Uh, you know, this is square one right here. Adam and Eve just getting their start in the garden. I don't know how much time has elapsed since they've been there. I'm going to say that, you know, it could have been years. And probably, you know, getting tired. Uh, I don't know if they had the, the cognitive function to, to realize or, or, you know, recognize the monotony of just eating the same thing over and over. But regardless... Here comes the devil, and he says, hey, you've been eating, you know, just of these certain trees and, and leaving this one alone. Um, is it true that you can't eat of that? And, you know, of course, he says, it's not true. You know, you can eat of it, of course, and, and you'll be the better off for it. And so what we see here is that he uses God's own words. Uh, you know, so he has a knowledge. He understands that God, what God has, has told them. So him even asking them is, is pointless. He already knows you know, God's rules that he's laid down on this, but, you know, he takes those words and he, he you know, shows that he has a knowledge of them, but then he twists them, and, uh, you know, when he regurgitates those to Eve. And so, you know, you can tell here he is smart and he has knowledge, but he uses that for his, you know, deception. And so from there, I'd like to go over to First Peter and talk about another trait that the devil has. Um... So in First Peter and uh, chapter five and verse eight, it says, "Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour." So, what we learn here is that the devil is very active. He's always around. He's always lurking, and you know he's always ready to strike at any moment. And he's our adversary. Obviously, everything that the devil wants us to do is the opposite of what we should do. And for that reason, he is considered our adversary. But he's never resting in his mission to devour our souls. And so, you know, this descriptive term here, devour, uh, just really shows his vicious nature. Everything that he wants to do towards us and our souls is evil. And from there, I'd like to uh, turn over to John in chapter 8. And in verse 40. 44 it says you are of your father the devil and the desires of your father you want to do he was a murderer this is talking about the devil he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him when he speaks a lie he speaks from his own resources for he is a liar and the father of it here's the devil's nature you talk about a murderer and a liar two of the worst things that we know you know in our society today and and just of human nature is, is, is killing and lying, and, you know, this is the devil. This, is, this basically sums him up, is that he's a murderer and a liar. And, uh, you know, something I've heard over my lifetime, a, a famous, you know, uh, adage is that uh, misery loves company. And so when you have the devil, he's a liar, he's a murderer. We know where he dwells. We know where his dwelling place is and uh, in torments. 
and he wants other people to be there with him. So, of course, he's going to be using these tactics, these deceptive methods to get other people there as well. So let's review kind of some of the, the characteristics of the devil. He's smart, okay, and he has a knowledge of God's word. We see that when he goes up to Christ after uh, his time in the wilderness and tries to tempt him. And uh, so he hasn't, and he's quoting God's uh, scripture and everything like that, and, and of course trying to trip Christ up to no avail. But he has a knowledge of God's word, and he's a master of deception, and he's very active and determined uh, in his mission to deceive us. So if you couple that with his ulterior motives, you know, these kind of traits that he has, um, you know, it's easy to see the danger that he poses, that he poses to each and every one of us. And in order to just kind of, you know, get a, an idea of, of how influential that he is, uh, over in Revelation uh, 12 and verse 9, it says, So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. He deceives the whole world. And we know that. We know that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And, of course, that's the fruits of the devil's labor. And so when he deceives the whole world, you know, that just lets you know he's not to be messed with. He is to be taken seriously. He's a very serious threat to us and our souls. So I would just really like to dig into this deception aspect, kind of some of the, the uh, vessels that he uses to get to us using this deception. Uh, you know, he doesn't really force us into sin. I, you know, we always, of course, have free will to, to choose. Um, but he is so effective, you know, using this deception. Um, and so I, I kind of liken this, uh, and I had a picture and stuff in my slide, but, you know, that's old news. But uh, anyway, I, I was thinking about Tom Sawyer. Uh, I'm probably one of the last people in my generation to have read that book, to be honest. I, I don't know that people read that stuff anymore but my dad recommended it when I was younger so gave it a read but one of the the scenes of course everybody remembers him whitewashing the fence right you know and and he's out here out you know he's hating every minute of it but you know he starts he sees his friends walking by and you know he paints a smile on this is the grandest thing ever you know next thing you know half the blocks over here whitewashing the fence and he's sitting over here on his pile of goodies that he's gotten from all his buddies so you know that's that's deception um and um I guess he kind of swindled them out of uh, their their day, but anyway, the devil, you know, he's not like over here painting things horribly, you know, he's never just telling people, hey, listen, you're going to hell, but come on over and do this anyway. No, everything is painted as beautiful, you know, and, and you want to do this, but, uh, you know, he knows the da the downfalls of, of man, and he understands what he needs to do to, to trick people uh, into sin. And so in 1 John uh, chapter 2 and verse 16, it says, um, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. So this kind of lets you know just a general overview of the downfalls of man. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And he knows that, and so he exploits those things. And uh, you have to give him credit. He's very, uh, he's hardworking. He does his homework. He understands us, I think, individually uh, and where we are weak. Um, and so when a vessel of temptation kind of appears uh, for the devil, uh, he, he, he preys on that and, and he, he, you know, works that angle. And so I had a couple of case studies, uh, and I really didn't write any notes on those, but, of course, I remember them. So 
case study one would be David. So we, of course, we all remember the David, the the story of David and Bathsheba, uh, and how that you know David was not, David was not a sinner. He was not somebody that you know you look at and you know one of those uh, horror stories from from the Bible of, of people that were evil continually. But David was a man after God's own heart, and uh, he was still tempted of the devil with Bathsheba and sinned. Okay, and uh, you know, so when he was tempted, he gave in to that temptation, and you know, we see the fall of David and the consequences that came with that. We have another case study. If you look at Job, talked about it this morning. Job tempted with you know, and by his friends after the downfall, he had all these possessions. They were stripped away, but you know, Job didn't put all of his faith and into those possessions. He put it in God, and so when all of that bad stuff happened to him. He put away that temptation to, you know, curse God and die as they told him. And and he, you know, pushed through. So I would like to look at this in kind of a global perspective and, and how the devil works within today's religions. So, you know, today we have a lot of, of, of various religions out there. You know, they are, uh, they span far and wide. Um, and, you know, the denominations of today, they're, the people that you meet that, that attend these churches, some of the nicest people you'll ever meet, moral and good people. And, uh, you know, then you consider the, just the breadth of these denominations, just millions and millions, maybe even billions of members, you know. I know the Catholic Church is, is uh, so large and, uh, you know, just all the, the various denominations tons of people and even if you look past that you look at some of the, the Muslims and the Hindus they're billions of people you know they are you know usually pretty moral people but and and you know their organizations and things like that may do a lot of good you look at the denominations of today setting up you know tons of, of food banks and things like that getting a lot of good work done in the community but it's about authority so when it comes down to it are they following God's word and the answer is no. So I think the devil uses things like that to, you know, suck people in. Look how good the work they're doing. And how do you tell people like that? Well, it's actually about authority, you know. I mean, the works you're doing are good, but, I mean, we can see here in the Bible that the devil, he uses, you know, false uh, statements like this. He uses false prophets and false teachings to suck people in. I mean, are you saying that it's not possible that, that you could be wrong in doing this? So... A couple of passages, of course, we studied, we're studying in Second Peter uh, verse, or chapter 2, and uh, in verse 1 there, it says, But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. So they're around us, and they're bringing destructive heresies. Destructive to who? Not just destructive to them, but the people who follow along with them and possibly even destructive to us. And we're warned in Matthew 7 and uh, verse 15, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. I mean, these people aren't coming up saying, hey, I'm a false prophet. No, they're not. They're coming up. They're, they're selling good stuff. They want you to buy it, and so many people do. But uh, it's, it's super unfortunate because even though they're, you know, they, ha they mean well, it, it, it leads to destruction. And so the bottom line is, like I said, it's about authority. It's about God's word. If it's not in his word and we're not explicitly told to do this, 
then we, then we know uh, that uh, we're not to do it. So uh, in John 12 and verse 48, I always like this, this uh, verse because it, it just lays it out there plainly for us. He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. Okay? The key here is that the word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. So that's it. That's the whole matter right there. If, if he has spoken that word, we are responsible for following that and, and being obedient to that. So why would we follow anything that's not his word as a church or as individuals? So I think it's extremely important that we are uh, weary of, of the things that go on around us, that we are aware, and that we are always standing firm. And uh, I think a couple of verses that just uh, sum that up Uh, James 4 and verse 7. How are we to stay away from these things? It says, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. I mean, we are to resist the devil with everything that we have. You know, following him in in any way is, is sin, and we know that. That's his way. But, uh, you know, if we, flee, if, he, if we resist him, he will flee from us. And so I think it's super important that we, uh, you know, always stand firm. And, and it's important to re- recognize that, you know, with this swindle going on, you know, the people who, raff, you know, bought a raffle ticket for that horse, it's, it's within their power. He did not coerce them other than, hey, I have a horse over here that you want to buy a raffle ticket. It wasn't, you know, that's the extent of the coercion. You know, there was no force in that and they you know they had the power over that five dollars and they gave some of those people gave it up 500 people apparently um but you know that's the thing with the devil we have the power you know first corinthians 10 and verse 13 there's no temptation you know which can overcome us that there's not a way to to escape there's always a way to escape we have the power in this relationship so you know we we always have to remember that you know it's it's our soul to to do with it what we want are we going to serve god or are we going to give in to the devil? And so we need to be very good stewards of that, and we need to be very cautious about the things that we choose to believe. We need to verify that with the Bible. And so tonight I just wanted to, to bring that before you. It's not always just cut and dried. Hey, this is, you know, this is sin. This is not. Sometimes they dress it up as a good thing, but we always need to come back to the Bible and to understand you know, what's right and what's wrong based on God's Word and no other standard regardless of what people say. So, although I had more, my slides had a lot more, this just kind of, my notes were just meant to fill in the gaps, but that's okay. Hopefully the application is still there for everybody. Um, So tonight, you know, if there's anybody who has found themselves, you know, giving in to temptation, uh, you know, going along with anything that's out there in the world, uh, perhaps that the, you know, the devil has, has put before them, it doesn't matter. If you have any need tonight, you've fallen short in any way, you can come forward. We can, you know, encourage you, whatever your need may be, come forward now as we stand and sing.